It's a new day and time for another NCEA podcast. Today, I am here with Dr. Julie Vogel, Chief Content Officer here at NCEA, my colleague, my boss, my friend, and I'm so glad she's here. Hi, Julie. Hey, Laura. It is so great to be with you today, and we get to talk to everybody about some things that are going on here at NCEA, so this is a great opportunity for us, and I'm really excited to be here with you. Well, I'm glad to be here, too. Um, kind of a different format today. We, we really don't have a format. We have a topic, and so um, as you're listening in, we're going to be talking a lot about goal-setting and mission-driven cultures, and I don't know, whatever else comes to mind, right, Julie? <laughs> Absolutely, whatever else we feel we want to talk about. And um, it's kind of interesting um, to, you guys hear from Laura quite a bit. She directs these podcasts for us quite often. And I thought maybe it would be really nice today that instead of hearing from me first, maybe we learned a little bit about Laura since she has been your host for the last couple of years doing these podcasts. And maybe it'd be nice if Laura could tell us a little bit about how she ended up here at NCEA and a little bit about her past experiences. All right. You know, I, as I, I always say, I never know where to begin, but um, I, I truly believe that um, I figured out I wanted to be an educator because I grew up teaching dancing. I taught dancing all through high school. It paid for my college. And that's where I found out that I had a love for the love of learning. I watched my students and um, enjoyed every time they um, made a connection or, uh, you know, achieved their next step. And, and so I thought maybe this might be something I want to do. So Lo and behold, I got into education and I worked in public education. I worked at the district level, in the classroom, at the county and state level. And then I enrolled my daughters in Catholic education and I fell in love. And so I went back to the classroom and taught Catholic school, um, elementary school. And, and then from there, I knew I wanted to be a principal because I had been watching my principals all along the way and what they did and how they handled things. And I thought that's, that's what I want to do. I've mm. seen a lot of different models of how it works, how it doesn't work. And so I became a Catholic school principal, which I think is the best job ever. Hardest job I've ever had, also the best job ever. So that brought me to Catholic education and that brought me to NCEA. You know, it's really interesting. Everybody kind of has a different story, um, but you definitely have the heart of a teacher. It probably has been written into your DNA since birth, huh? Uh, and with all your early experiences teaching dance, I can see how you would turn this direction as an adult and um, want to spread that influence over lots of kids and even more kids over the years. Um, I do agree with you, though, that the very best job of all of them that you could have in education is that of a principal. And in particular... I believe, a Catholic school principal. Mm -hmm. um, like you, I have been in both public education, I've been in private education, and I've been in Catholic education. And the, the job with the most influence to make change and change that sticks and lasts is that of a, a Catholic school principal. 
Um, yes. So as far as being hard work, incredibly difficult challenges at times, but the reward is unreal when you get to see kids reach their full academic potential as far as you can take them in the years that you have them. So there's nothing quite like that anywhere else. Absolutely. Um, so to me that that we both agree that's the best job ever. <laughs> Our paths did take a little bit of a different turn though. I did spend quite a bit more time at higher ed. Um, I tend to mm -hmm. have that sort of big picture feel and I happen to love like learning like you. I think that's part of your DNA or you couldn't be a teacher if you didn't love learning. Right. right. Um, and I am a cognitive psychologist by trade, um, but love also college administration and being a part of moving institutions forward. And I think that's where my love of that came from um, was my time in higher ed. Um, but life choices happen and families change and we move and different events come our way. And so we moved away from my opportunity in higher ed and came to a different city. And there I jumped into the world of uh, Catholic education and I kind of never looked back after that and have done that for several, geez, a decade and a half, maybe. Mm -hmm. And then um, went into industry for a while for five years. Love that, too. Um, I think industry sometimes gets a bad rap and corporate America gets a bad rap. Um, but anyone that's working in companies that work for kids, generally the people in those corporations care very much about what happens to kids and want to do the right thing by them. Right, so I was pleasantly right. surprised by that, but I'm happy to be here at NCEA in um, doing what I love best, which is really helping members um, connect with and find ways to make their jobs easier, to help them grow and learn as much as they can so they can do the best by kids that they possibly can. Uh, so happy to be here today talking about things that you can do to help kids and that we can do to help kids and principals and leaders and move everything forward on behalf of our children. I think that's one of the interesting things about working at NCEA. We all come from not only different states, <laughs> different mm -hmm. parts of the country, but from very different experiences, which I think makes for a stronger team. Um, and yeah. having all of our different experiences and different um, moving around has really helped you um, gain a sense of the different missions of the different associations, the different schools, and how important having a strong mission and vision for your school can be, really. Yeah, critical to the success of a school, I think, as long as it's lived every single day. Um, you can have them. Lots of places have them in print, I've noticed. But to really live that mission and to really read it every day, understand it every day, try hard to focus everything that you do in that direction is a challenge for a lot of people. But when, when, when they rise to the challenge, I think great things happen for kids and teachers and schools. Absolutely. And, you know, at some schools, they're just up on the walls and you don't even see them. Um, I can I can think back to my first um, moment as a teacher, and I walked by a mission statement that was already in my classroom when I arrived every day, and I had no sense of what it was. I couldn't tell you what it was, and um, I definitely wasn't living it if I didn't even know what it was. And so, 
I always felt it very, very important to not only make sure it was posted throughout my campuses, but lived throughout the campuses, really, really lived. And, and, and making sure that when new teachers came to join our team, that we revisited it and, and, and not only revisited it, but talked about it and pulled it apart and analyzed it and talked about where it fits in our school in general. Yeah. Makes a huge difference, doesn't it? Um, it really, truly does. I think it's kind of imperative that mission be part of every conversation that people have every single day. If we're not truly trying to do what we say we're going to do, and if we don't truly openly announce it, it gets lost in the shuffle. And then right. we start pray, we start to become unfocused, we start to lose sight of what God wants us to do, and it, it turns into a disaster for us. So <laughs> I, I, yeah. You got to live it. You've got to breathe it. You've got to eat it. You've got to say it. You've got to do it all the time. It, it kind of reminds me of, a, you know, I've, I've observed a lot of teachers and their lessons. And, you know, you can sit in a dynamite lesson. The teacher feels good. The students had fun. And then you go back to the lesson plan and you go, oh, yeah, that was great. But that even that wasn't the objective of the lesson. You know, they lost sight of it. And and okay, you could argue that the students got something out of the lesson and the teacher did a dynamite job in what she did teach, but losing sight of that important standard is is not okay. And so um I always made sure that mission statement was on everything. The top of my weekly newsletter that went out. Um, I even put it on all the agendas and, and when I finally got a little more advanced, I, I made sure it was on top of student council agendas, the school campus ministries, um, the, the parent association agenda, all of it had that mission there. And then, um, one of the fun activities I I'd like to share because principals might, might want to do it very easy. It, It wasn't too technical. It was actually kind of fun. We took the mission statement and with each subgroup. So we looked at it carefully and said, what is your role with this mission statement? So if it was something to do with community or parents, that would be parent association. So this right here, when you read this mission statement, this piece right here on community and leadership, that's about, that's your mission in in parent association. And then simply did the same with campus ministry. Um, This is about faith integration. This is about Catholic identity. You need to take on this piece of leadership within the mission statement and then student council the same. And then they use those little pieces straight out of the mission statement. It might've even been a phrase and created objectives and goals for the year built on that piece of the mission statement. And to me, you can't get more mission driven than that. (laughs) Exactly. Right. It's that big picture down to how am I going to live this Mm -hmm. out in every single piece of my day? Um, A great example really of how taking how that mission then can tie back into everything all the way down to a teacher's lesson. Right. That can have on kids. That's huge. Um, And I like that kind of idea. I think that makes sense and it works and even it was fun. Yeah. Right. And it it provides focus and cohesion 
and keeps everybody moving in a forward direction together, which I also appreciate about mission. Uh, one of the things that's important to me. But you did mention something interesting in there, and I thought maybe we could talk a little bit more about that and tease that out a little bit. As you said, you mentioned something about goals and about setting mm -hmm. goals. Set goals based on your mission. And so maybe we could talk a little bit about goal setting and maybe how that okay. goal setting piece could tie into mission. It doesn't always have to tie into mission, but most most of the time I think it does. Um, but you had you'd sent me a question not too long ago. And I got the biggest kick out of the question because your question was, Hey, Julie, did you set goals as a child? And man, it set me back. And I thought, well, shoot, I don't know. Did I set goals as a child? What kind of child was I? And, you know, I had to really stop and think about it very deeply. And, you know, <laughs> I'm not sure if it's a good thing to say this or a bad thing to say this, but I would say, to answer that question, and I don't even remember the context it, in which we were talking about it, but the answer for me would probably be no. Okay. And here's why. here's why. I believe my parents set them for me. And they set them for me because they started so early. Mm -hmm. So, for example, growing up, my earliest memory is, one of the earliest memories I have is swinging my legs on a piano bench because I couldn't reach the pedals because I was too tiny and I was practicing the piano. So I started playing the piano when I was possibly three, maybe four at the earliest. My feet couldn't touch the ground. I didn't want to be there. And so my mom would set a goal. You play the piano for 30 minutes. And then after that 30 minutes, I'll let you go outside and play for an hour win, right? If I sit here for 30 minutes and plunk along on these keys at the end of that 30 minutes, mom said, I get to go out and do what I love to do, which is be outside for an hour and no strings attached. And she would set a timer. So my goal setting was very much taught to me by my okay. parents. Modeled, right? It was modeled, modeled by and it was seven days a week, a half an hour a day, for as long as I can remember when I was tiny until I started setting my own goals as I got older. So maybe when I was around eight or nine and I didn't need any help to sit down and play pieces mm -hmm. of the piano anymore, um, I could say, okay, I'm going to play this, you know, this piece through without any mistakes as slow as I can possibly go five times. And then I can be done for the day, you know, things like that. So you learn as you go, but to, to, did I set them as a little child? No but it was definitely modeled for me what to do and how to do it so that when I was older, I could do it on my own. So by the time I hit school, I could set my own goals. You were there, right? I, was there. I didn't realize that was what I was doing, but that's exactly what I was doing. So yes, I learned early on how to do that and do it well and never really thought twice about it. But I'm curious about your story and what you, what you, did you set goals as a child? <laughs> well, I asked my mom that same question mm -hmm. and because I would consider myself to be always very goal oriented. Um, and, and we started talking about it and, and I do remember I used to help my mom make lists. So mm -hmm. the grocery list, the, as soon as I could write, I was making the list. I, I still like to make lists. And I remember she would even say, Oh, 
let's add vacuuming to that list and then cross it off. Even though we already did it, let's put it on there. And so <laughs> I thought that was really silly to add things. And then she would tell me, but doesn't it feel good to cross it off? And I know for some people it does and for some people it doesn't make a difference. But my mom would talk to me about those things. And so I helped make lists. My dad, on the other hand, was very driven, always, um, always trying to improve everything. And I know I have that in me because when I'm doing an event as an administrator or helping to do something as I'm doing it, I'm already thinking about how could this be done more effectively, more efficiently, and what improvements need to happen next year? It's already in my head, sometimes in the middle of the project. <laughs> next time, next time. And I think I get that from my father. And so I think I have a little bit of both. But taking that to the classroom, I think, is very, very important because not all parents are doing that with their children. Not all parents have you know, not all students have their parents saying, you're going to sit here 30 minutes and I'm going to time you. And so I think that we can, I truly believe we can start doing that with our students in the classroom very early and modeling it. Like, like you said, you know, um, a, a kindergarten teacher can say, we're going to become very good readers this year and let's set a goal and they can decide that they're going to read 200 books in the next few months and they could write it up on the board and they could talk about it and they could even check back and model that you're constantly checking back to see where you are. Are you on target? And, and right. say things like, you know what, maybe we were a little too ambitious. Let's change that goal and adjust it so that, Later on down the road, when kids get into about second grade, and I truly believe they can set goals in second grade, they have already had it modeled for them. And so that then they're of that growth mindset of um, what am I going to do this year? And, and, you know, for our schools that use like accelerated reader um, and, and things like that, there's a lot of goal setting in what books you read, how much reading you're doing and, mm -hmm. and reaching your goal. But I do think it's important for it to be personal because I think a lot of time, I don't know about you, Julie, but when I was in elementary school, we would set goals and we'd have a little race car or a, a something up on the wall and we'd be all moving toward the same goal. And then I remember some kids wouldn't move because they were struggling. And it was very visual. And that, that bothered me as a kid. And that bothered me as a teacher. Because I believe they need to be setting their own personal goal. And that it needs to feel safe. And that isn't sa that's safe for your great readers, right? They're moving along. And, and it's not safe for the others. So I, I think it's important to introduce goals and set them. But I think they should be personal and they should be um, not rigid and mm -hmm. not imposed upon the students, but yet decided with them so that it's an yeah, opportunity for them to take, you know, charge of their, their own education. Okay. I don't disagree with you. I actually think you have some really good points there. Um, I do think you can start, you can start modeling goal setting and working through goal setting as early as pre-K. So I'm with yeah. you there. Yeah. The earlier you yeah. start, the easier it is for kids. They don't then they don't see it as goal setting. It's just 
what we do to reach a goal. Right. They don't have a goal setting then. So in their little mind, when they're they're figuring this out, they're like, oh, if we work together, we can all do this. And so I do mm-hmm. think there's room for whole class open goals. I do agree with you, though, that if you're working on goals that where everybody's progress is publicly monitored, that's different. And I'm mm-hmm. not, I don't necessarily like that either. Yeah. Um, because we all learn at different rates. We all learn at different paces. Things come at different times for people. Um, but that doesn't mean that people shouldn't set goals. It just means that they shouldn't be publicly shared all the time. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but they should be setting goals. And I do think it's really, really important to consider that kids are smart enough to do this with adult support as yep. early as first grade. I have sat in classrooms where first graders can take a look at, you know, maybe one of their reading assessments, for example, that they mm-hmm. might be in their classroom and they can see how they're doing and they can look at where everybody else is, but it's not shared with anyone else. And the teacher can say, well, well, let's talk about where you're at right here. You're right here right now. And if you did this, this, and this, you could be maybe right here. Um, what would you like to do? What do you see? How do you feel about this? And and mm-hmm. then helping them start to take more ownership and of their own learning is right. really one of the great outcomes of goal setting. If it's done in a safe, professional, yes. personal manner, right? Um, so you and I are definitely on the same page when it comes to kids and how kids need to learn to set goals. But what yeah. about administrators? Tell me a little well, bit about your phrase. So we know kids can do that. Is it the same for administrators or is the process a little different as a, from your principal perspective of goal setting or? Well, there's some differences. Um, you know, going back to the kids for a moment, I think that they need a lot more check-ins. So mm-hmm. students will very often, even middle school kids will make unrealistic goals for themselves because in that moment, they want to go for it, right? Just like I make unrealistic, maybe um, exercise goals, right? I know what I'm supposed to do in my heart, but I might shoot for the moon. (laughs) Yeah, on Monday, I might shoot for the moon, right? And then by Friday, I'm thinking, yeah, (laughs) right? (laughs) So students are the same way. And those middle school kids, sometimes they want to set, like, for reading, for example, they want to set that impressive goal to impress their teacher to show I'm going for it. And then they lose momentum and and it actually can become like demotivating if we're not careful. So we really need to know our students and we have to check in with them and say, hey, is this realistic for you? Do you go to dance on Friday night? Don't you have soccer on Saturday? Maybe you shouldn't read on those days. Things like that. Talk them through it. Adults, we need to respect them as adults and not treat them like the students. However, I think we need to model with them what we want them to do with the students. And so I think it's very realistic. I used to set goals with my teachers. Well, they would set goals and then they would share them with me. And we do probably one or two professional goals and then a personal goal. And the personal goal was, you know, at first I I thought as an administrator, am I you know, am I going too far and asking them to share a personal goal with me? But it actually was an opportunity for community and connecting because sometimes they would share that, you know, they needed to spend more time with their daughter, that they were feeling like they were always working. And so then on Friday at 530, if they were still at school, I could go knock on their door and say, 
hey, you know what? You need to go home. You know, your daughter wants movie night, you know, so I could I could help them. But it was also a way to connect with them because sometimes they would share something personal, but they're choosing the goal. They know they're going to share it. And so they can set those boundaries on what what's safe for them and, and what isn't safe. Um, so I think I think that's good. A couple key pieces that you mentioned that I want to talk about that I agree with you on. First of all, if you're setting professional goals with a staff, right? as a principal, even as a diocesan leader, whatever the case may be, if you're setting mm-hmm. goals with your team, even here at NCEA, if we're goal setting, one to two professional goals is enough. Yes, so yes. You can lose focus. It's not like we can't, we all want to do everything. And mm-hmm. we, can't, we can all do everything. We just can't do everything all at once. Yes. So we need to really teach ourselves to say, what can, what are the one or two things I can realistically accomplish in the next, in this classroom, in this school year, you know, and, yes. and to hold ourselves to high standards for those one or two things. And the fact that you have a personal goal, I personally love that mm-hmm. because I do think that it really supports this idea that we are a community. We are working together toward, yes, this mission of this school, or yes, this mission of this diocese, but yes, this mission for each other. And that you as a leader value them enough to knock on the door at Friday and say, hey, remember your personal goal was you were going to try and find ways to spend more time with your daughter. It's 530 on Friday. It's really time for you to go home. Yes, yes. Or, you know, leave. Or I would say when I was a principal, hey, um, our goal was that this building would be empty by 4.30, three days a week. This is day three. The building yeah, is walking <laughs> up. Everybody gets to go home, leave your stuff on your desk. We're not doctors. No one's going to die tomorrow if something isn't perfect. But if you go home and you relax, you'll come back tomorrow and everything's going to look a whole lot better. So I appreciate the personal goals because I think it brings community together. It says we value our teachers as much as we value our kids and it helps us grow together and make deeper connections. And that really matters to have a, having a thriving school. People need to be safe. You know, I'm so home, into all this. Harvard, all those things. I was so into this conversation. We need to pause for a word from our sponsor and when we can come back, we can continue this conversation. Today's podcast is made possible by our ambassador partner, Archangel Education and Technology. Archangel supports Catholic schools by not only putting technology in the hands of our students, but also by supporting leaders and teachers with outstanding professional development. In-person and virtual options are available. Thank you, Archangel Education and Technology. To learn more about how Archangel can support your school's technology or professional development needs, please contact 866-747-4486. Again, that number is 866-747-4486. All right, we're back and we're talking about goal setting. Um, Julie, did you want to finish up on that last thought? Or yeah, so excited about this part, and especially because I know. Like, oh, Laura and I were principals all the way across the country from each other. No, yes. I didn't know each other before this, but no, yeah, not at all. The same mindset mm-hmm. about what it means to work in a school community and the importance of not just professional goals, because we know that we we mm-hmm. we know our craft, we know what we're supposed to do in our jobs, 
but this concept of how does this personal goal affect our community? Because we know that every single human by nature, we all want to be known by each other in our community. We all want to be seen. We all want mm-hmm. to be valued. We all want to be cared for. And that's what makes an outstanding community. It's not perfect and it doesn't happen every day, but when you know people's personal goals as a leader, it really helps you have the courage to say, hey, I think you need to stop doing that right now because it doesn't match your your personal goals. And I really wanna see you achieve and be your very best self. And and today that means you go home. Today right. that means you take a break. Today that means you do something for you. Um, and I, I like that idea and I like that concept. And it's kind of cool that we, we didn't know each other. We didn't have anything common really because we came from different places, but yet we have the exact same idea about goals. Connects you us. Know, yeah. One of the things that you were talking, that you kind of reminded me of when you were just now talking, you were, you mentioned focus and I think that's really important, especially when you come in new to a school and you have all these ideas and, and Julie, you know, you have to work with me. I always have all these ideas. We can't do that to our staff. We have to be really mindful of who we're, who we're working with and where their limits are. And when I first started as a principal, I finally heard myself probably a few months in say, this year we're going to focus on, and I had said it at the last meeting, and I had said it at the meeting before, and I had come with it after coming from my diocesan meeting of focuses from the diocese, and I went, what am I doing? Because we are, we're working with students, teachers, principals, superintendents, community, and they all have their agendas and their needs, their initiatives. And so we have to be really mindful of our staff. It's it's a way we can really overwhelm them. And so I think it's important. Some of those goals could be your personal principal professional goals that don't need to be verbalized maybe to the rest of your staff, um, you know, where you're going to focus that they don't even need to be worried about. And you don't need to come back from your diocesan meeting and immediately share all the things you heard in your all day meeting with them. I think you really need to go, especially as you get to know your staff, you really need to say, okay, I can package that goal when we talk about this and I can talk about that after I figure it out. Because if you're feeling overwhelmed, which I usually was when I came back from my diocesan meetings with all the responsibilities, you're going to overwhelm your teachers, just like teachers are going to overwhelm their students if they don't like the lesson they're they're teaching. So I sometimes had to stop, back up, figure out how this goal or this initiative was going to work on my campus with our staff and package it nicely and present it in a way that I felt worked best for them. And I think mm-hmm. that's important because Otherwise, you, you just can't be coming in and going, we're going to focus here. We're going to focus here. You really have to be, okay, uh, one thing would be, is this important right now? Does this need to happen right now? And sometimes the answer is yes. You know, I had a school, if 
financially that was really struggling, they weren't bringing in any, you know, um, money from their fundraisers. I had to focus there now, but I didn't have to focus on other things right at that moment. And I could kind of keep my eye on them and make plans later on down the road to help with those. So you really need to prioritize. And unfortunately, that takes experience and that takes a lot of research and talking to your staff and figuring out where you need to go and where you shouldn't touch for a while and 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 really getting to know them. So you just have to proceed with caution, I think, when it comes to that. You can't walk in the door as a new principal and start changing things. Mm, you can't oh walk no. In the door as a principal and say, here's the next, here's the goals we're gonna be working on for the next five years. <laughs> you can't walk in the door and do any of that. That is Absolutely. the key point to goal setting, right? You can't mm-hmm. focus until you know your crowd, until right. you know your people. And I think every good leader has to, and it kills, it's it's a killer. For people like me, yeah. I like to move. I like to get things done. Um, I don't want to sit around. I don't want to wait around. But forcing yourself to wait, to watch, to listen is what's going to allow you Absolutely. to focus and prioritize your goals. And so if you are... Um, someone like me who likes to get things done, who loves to come in and do everything possible as quickly as possible. The best lesson I ever learned as a leader was slow down and be quiet. Slow down and be quiet because then listen. you can really listen and hear yes. what people need. And then you can see what really needs to happen first, second, third, fourth, and start prioritizing things. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes that's easier said than done, right? It's easy, depending on the situation you're in, the school that you're in, what you're looking at. Um, but I do remember one of my, my experiences as a principal in a Catholic school, we had 10 new teachers the year I came wow. in, a new principal and a new priest. And so I'm like, what am I going to do here? Well, the one thing I had to do was ensure that my teachers were successful because without successful teachers, there's not going to be a successful school. Right. Priority number one had to be the group of teachers. And then think about this. If there's 10 new teachers of the 10 new teachers, maybe two of them had more than a year experience. Everybody else was a brand new teacher. And then I had a group of maybe three or four who stayed with the school and were still there who could provide some context, some background, (laughs) something to help the rest of us. Institutional knowledge. Yeah, they had the institutional knowledge. And so your your goals and your focus and your priorities change based on the people you have in front of you. Mm -hmm. And so for us, um, prioritizing teacher success and feeling great about things that were going on in their classroom and setting goals around that key for us. And, and, you know, I only had one, one goal. And that was by the end of the year, we needed to be able to know what each child could and could not do academically. Bottom line, because we weren't passing kids on, we were doing all kinds of crazy things there. And I'm like, no, we're, we, we have to know where every single child is at so we can help them move forward. And that was our goal. And it helped focus, keep us together, hey, hey, success happening. You, you really do. Um, I always say that that's leadership 101. Come in, watch, listen, mm-hmm. 
you know, unless something's broken and it needs to be fixed right now. But still, before you touch it, make sure everyone else knows that it needs to be fixed, too, because Mm -hmm. otherwise it could be perceived as, you know, you coming in and taking over. And that can be really scary. Um, You have to be really mindful where Catholic campuses, we are full of traditions and you know, parents are involved in a lot of those traditions as well. And so, you know, I've seen administrators make a tiny little change that they didn't think would have any effect on the community at all. And it just, that's, and you know, and they found out the hard way, no, oh, we do that every year. That's what we do every year. And you're thinking, okay, um, I didn't understand that this was important to you. And so, that really takes time and, and, and talking to people and, you know, knowing who on that campus you can go to for that type of information, knowing who on campus you need to go to before you make changes when you have to, to help prepare them because they have trouble with change. And um, really, whenever you can, yeah, there's times as an administrator, you have to make a decision and you're going to share, this is our goal. And you know it's right because it's right for students. And when it's right for students, it's right. But there's a time, too, where you need to involve as much as you can. Involve the staff on not only setting a goal, but being involved in what those objectives look like, what the timeline looks like, and how they are going to implement it. Because it needs to be, everyone needs to be involved in it, and everybody needs to be on board if it's truly going to be mission-driven and part of your school culture. Mm-hmm. And I think the hardest part about goal setting isn't setting the goal. It's not even doing the goal and working through it. It's, oh, that's true. Oh, you, did we achieve the goal? So the accountability toward the goal, yes. I think sometimes hard to nail down for people. Um, maybe not everyone. And maybe that's just a, a, you know, my experience. It might not be yours, but for, for me, it was, we were good. We could set the goals. We could set the timelines. We could even follow through on them. But I wasn't always sure that at the end, we had the best method of accountability to ensure that we had met that goal. And then that that goal would become part of our permanent practice. Does that make sense? So once you achieve the goal, the mm-hmm. goal that we stop doing that, that goal means we keep on because we know how right. to do it and it's working. And then we'll add another one and then maybe another one down the road. And I think that part was the hardest challenge for me. It wasn't creating them. It wasn't setting them up. It wasn't getting people to do them. It was getting people to understand when they had achieved it. And that meant that we needed to keep doing it that way. That keep we didn't doing those good things. We kept doing those things because they were whatever, right for kids, or we had the metrics to say they were, mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. Um, it- I kind of I kind of equate it to when we're helping our students who need extra interventions. We're giving them something outside the the standard curriculum to support them. Um, and and we always need to check, we need to assess, is this working? What do I need to do now? You know, the pathway needs to be flexible with goals. You can't say this is how we're doing it and we will do it. You have to sometimes evaluate like you would your student assessment. Okay, maybe this 
maybe this intervention isn't going to work. Maybe we need to make some adjustments. And then I think that's true, though. I feel like that's one of the hardest things is assessing and making sure we have some sort of data or some sort of measurement and then going back and looking at it. But you're right. We also need to make sure once we achieve it or once that student hits that target, we can't just let them go because they got there because they got all this extra help. We can't just completely release them and and have them continue on their own. We have to continue to check in with them over time. And that's the same with our school. You might be really focused on this goal. Once you achieve it, more often than not, you can turn and start to work on the other areas that need to be fixed, but you keep need to check, keep going back and making sure, is it still going okay? Is this still working? Do I need to make some extra adjustments? I, you know, it's keep your eye, <laughs> keep a little eye on the, um, on your success and then, then focus elsewhere. Yeah. It's kind of interesting in our conversation around, around goal setting that similar rules apply or similar ideas or themes apply no matter who's setting the goal. So if you're a child and you're setting a goal, it works the same as if you're a mm-hmm. teacher setting a goal. It works the same as if you're a leader setting a goal. It works the same as if you're another subgroup setting a goal. The same kinds of rules or norms, if you don't want to call them rules, still apply. Right. Goals need to be focused, right? Goals need to be they focused or targeted. They need to be something that you can actually do and complete. So they need to be realistic, right? Right. They need to be something that you can have some sort of way to measure. And mm-hmm. they need to be something that just because you finish it, you stop. It doesn't mean you stop. It means you keep building that in and adding something else to it. So that's that idea of right. goals help. Maybe goals help with continuous improvement too. And they need to be relevant, goal. obviously, right? Yeah, <laughs> very relevant. Mm-hmm. And it's you okay know, to your mind if it doesn't work. If it's not working, it's okay to try another option or another way to do things. And right. it's okay to say, we thought that this goal was really necessary, but it's not. So now we're just going to drop that for a while. And we're going to go here because this is what we really need to do. Right. And I think it's right. okay to, as, a, as a leader, as a human to say, that's not working. Let's just try something else. And, and we'll look at another goal then. And, and right. maybe that's okay to say that too. I, I, I think so. Um, you know, our schools that are using them with students, they can, you know, I, I highly recommend using those of them that are using virtue programs at their school. Students can very easily set virtue goals. Um, even just a little index card. Um, if they're little, they can draw their self doing the virtue. If, if they're um, older, they might write a plan on how they're going to work on this virtue. And, and that can translate too to our behavior programs. You know, I used, I used goals with the virtues in my, um, in my time as a principal, if a student had a behavior issue, we would go through virtue. We used virtue cards. We'd go through those virtue cards and find which virtue would have helped them get through whatever mistake they made. 
And, and, and then we would say, okay, you, you weren't being respectful when you yelled that at the other student on the playground or whatever it was. And, and they would find that virtue or we'd find it together if they were little and they had pictures. And so then we would write a goal together on how they would practice that virtue. And if it was on an index card, we just sometimes put it in their desk and I'd check in, where's your virtue card? And they pull it out. And, and that's goal setting too. I mean, it is. Um, it is yeah. It, the check-in's important though. And obviously at every level, like you said, principals, teachers, students, we need that check-in, that reminder um, to help make sure that we're keeping on, keeping on. Um, but yeah, you can feel it. Julie, you've been in a lot of places and a lot of campuses. You can feel it when you walk on a campus. You can get a sense mm-hmm. of um, mission and of focus. And if it's a school that's continuously striving to do better, um, it has a feel. It does, a definite feel. I wish we could put words to that feeling, but I think you have to be there sometimes to really get it. Um, I don't know what words I would put to some of those feelings on campuses I've been on when things are truly mission driven. Hmm. I would say there is a sense of common respect toward each other and toward, you know, all layers, all different kinds of people. There's just a level of respect. There's a level of care. Uh, for one another that you may not see or feel somewhere else. There's a level of love where care and love kind of go together, um, where you see people just doing, being kind to be kind, not, not because they're expecting anything, but this, this idea that it's part of that mission or it's part of whatever they're doing there that gives you that feeling of, wow, this is a, this is a group and a community that really understands one another. And I think goal right. setting really help toward mission. And when people are living their mission, you get that real sense of a vibrant, caring, loving, exciting community. Right. And you can see it in the teachers. You can see it mm-hmm. in the students. Though sometimes it's in the way they carry themselves on campus or their confidence level or... Um, just walking by and saying hello. I mean, those sorts of things. Um, yeah, it's definitely in the fabric of, of the community. And, our, and we have to remember our parents when they're on campus, they feel it too. And their experiences, you know, you bring your experiences. So your background knowledge is definitely part of you when you go to an, a new environment. And so I feel like your feelings are based on that background knowledge. So what I might feel as a someone that works on campus, it might be different than or will be different than a parent with different experiences and the way they feel. But what we want <laughs> is that part of our mission should always be that our parents have this warm, welcome feeling as well. And in order to make sure they have that, we have to know them. We have to know who they are. We have to understand their culture. And, and all of that is part of a part of our mission. So sure it is. 
and part of what it means to be in a community because we all want to be known, we all want to be seen, we all want to be heard, and we all want to be loved. Right? Mm-hmm. Right. And feel safe. Yeah. And, and, Mm -hmm. and, and really feel safe. And when we have the love and we feel seen, um, I I think that helps, but definitely we have to, we have to consider our parents because they're our primary educators and um, they should feel respected when they, when they visit our schools and interact with our teachers. Um, Even when we're in disagreement, they still need to feel that way as well. That's important. It is all about that, right? So having a strong mission really supports community. Mm -hmm. Um, Having goals that reach toward the mission really give the mission some meat and some weight. And all that together can really help create a very vibrant, focused, caring community. And that's our goals. Yeah. Not bad, huh? Well, I hope we help somebody that is listening. Give them some ideas. Keep your goals focused. <laughs> Stay on mission at all times. <laughs> and remember don't that set I- too many. <laughs> yeah, don't set too many because that's 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 the death sentence. Too many goals. And make sure that everyone is known, heard, seen, and loved. Not Sounds- too hard. No, just just do all that and we're good. <laughs> well, it has been a pleasure chatting with you here today, Julie. And um, it's always fun when we get a chance to do this. I will remind people that the most valuable resource we have is each other. Do you or someone you know have something worth sharing? Let us know here at NCEA. And maybe you will be our next guest on this podcast. Bye. Bye, everyone.